How's everybody doing? Hope you had a good July 4th. It's great to see you here at Bay Life Church again. If you're visiting, my name's Mark. So grateful that you could make it here with us. If you have your Bibles, open them to Acts chapter 20. We're going to start there today as we continue this series uh, called On the Road. We're taking a look at the story of Paul and his friends as they take the gospel of Jesus Christ around the Mediterranean uh, and uh, ultimately uh, uh, you know, do the work of us being here today. If, if they hadn't taken the, the gospel from Jerusalem and, and extended it to the Gentiles, we Gentiles may not be here right now. So grateful for them, grateful for the work, and grateful for the things that God is teaching us through their story. It was my fourth grade uh, f- field day. Remember field day at the end of school? I don't know if they still do them, but we used to have this thing called recess. And, uh, and then at the end of the year, you'd have a field day. And then field day was like just recess all day long. And they would organize these events. And my favorite was the tug of war. Anybody remember the tug of war? It's, it's, you know, it's not on a video game anywhere, so maybe it's not being done as much. But uh, tug of wars back then were awesome. And my favorite part of the tug of war was the tug of war prank. Has anybody ever, ever pulled the tug of war prank? The tug of war, you know, the first couple tug of wars, you'd try really hard so the fourth graders could beat the four, fifth graders, whatever. But then the last tug of war, you just try to, you know, uh, uh, do a fast one on the people in front of you. This is what I would do. I would get all my friends in the back of the line, okay? And then I would have like a, a, a signal word, you know, like, uh, well, I wasn't very clever, so now would be my signal word. <laughs> and uh, and on, on now, everybody in the back of the tug-of-war line would what? Drop the rope. And then what would happen to the two kids who weren't in on the prank? They would go flying. And, and listen, I grew up in Canada. We had the mud pit. And you may remember that, you know, like tug-of-wars usually caught, you know, used to actually mean something. You'd have like a, a big, you know, bog in between uh, the ropes. And the two kids in front would just go face first into the, and it was just a great day then. It was, it was field day uh, nirvana at that point, if you could get the kids muddy and go back into school. Uh, We're gonna talk today about the fact that in the church, there's far too many people. Oh, I had the rope to be able to show you. You wanna read here? There's too many. (laughs) Sorry, got a little ahead of myself. We worked hard to find that rope before I came out here too. There's too many people doing that though. There's too many people in the church uh, who've been called to be a part of this spiritual tug-of-war that we're in for the souls of man who've just decided to do this and not be a part of it. Uh, For whatever reasons, we're going to talk about a bunch of them, uh, but for whatever reasons, service in the church is is waning. Uh, Statistically, uh, as we move into next generations, there's fewer people doing uh, the things that the church needs to be done so that it can be the church. Uh, this is completely contra or contradictory to the, to the things that Christ teaches us in, in his word. In fact, at the beginning of the book that we're studying, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, Jesus says this to his disciples. You've heard it before. But Acts 1, 8 says, uh, you will receive power. It's going to show up on this screen really soon. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Yeah, there it is. And uh, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the mission. He gathers his disciples and he says, now go back to the other one, settle down. He goes back to the, his disciples as he's about to ascend into heaven and this is what he says to them. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. Now, it's really important to note uh, uh, the nature of the pronouns here. The, these yous, he's not looking at Peter and using a singular and saying, hey, Pete, you, only you, are going to receive power and you're going to be my witness. He's looking at this group of friends 
and he uses the pronoun in Texas, all y'all. All y'all. And he, he, it's, a, it's a pronoun that basically extends beyond the, the, the current present group to all y'alls from the rest of time. All y'all are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. This mission was given to all y'all, to me and to you, to everybody who's a part of Jesus Christ by faith. If you've been saved by grace, you've been saved to a mission. And here's the deal. If you've been saved, you've been saved to serve. I heard this growing up. My Baptist church is all uh, my life, and, and it's kind of trite, and maybe you've heard it too, but too many Christians think that they're saved to sit. They're not. Christians are saved to serve. You're not here just to take in. It's not how the body of Christ is meant to work. You're here to give back to Christ by serving his people and his church. Now you can put it up there. The mission of God is meant for all of his people. We're in Acts 20. I was going to teach the, the second part of Acts 20. It's about this guy named Eutychus. He's a young guy who falls out of a window. Read it if you haven't had a chance to. He falls out of a window while Paul is preaching. Paul had been preaching for five hours. So if you ever think I've gone long, <laughs> slow your roll. But, uh, you know, good news. Eutychus, uh, by the you know, miracles of God, was, was resuscitated. He, he died falling out of that window. But Paul, this great miracle took place. He, he, uh, he was able to resuscitate this young boy. And, uh, and they went back upstairs into the church, and guess what? Paul went for another five people. They weren't like, oh, good, dodged a bullet there, let's go home. That's not what they did. They said, hey, now we're really going to have church. This kid just came back from the dead. Yeah, so I was going to teach you that, but instead I'm going to teach you these verses that if you just read them, some, anybody ever read the Bible and you're like, there's a skip over verses? I hate to say it that way, but there's kind of verses that kind of lead to the good stuff. Just details, you know, and that's, that's what starts out Acts chapter 20. But these are the verses I think God wants me to share with you this morning. The mission of God is meant for all of his people. After the uproar ceased, what was that? Anybody here last week? If you weren't, last week uh, in Acts chapter 19, we saw this in, incredible uh, series of events. First of all, uh, the, the work of Christ was just uh, eminent and prominent. There in the city of Ephesus, there was people being healed even by the laundry of Paul. I mean, read it. It's in there in Acts chapter 19. Uh, they, they had this, this, these uh, uh, exercisers, these guys, seven sons of Sceva, who were uh, in the business of, of casting out demons, and they invoked Jesus' name, and, and the demon-possessed guy uh, beat them all up to the point that none of them wore pants anymore. That's how you know you lost the fight. If you're not wearing pants at the end of it, you lost. But it was just this, these incredible, uh, you know, uh, miraculous events. And, and, and what it tells us in the chapter 19 is that, is that Ephesus just turned from all of its idols and all of its mess and, and just started following Jesus. Well, this was causing an economic problem for the people who made idols. And so if you were here last week, you know that those guys, led by Demetrius, said, hey, we got to do something about this. And they started a mob. And the mob grabbed a couple Christians, Gaius and Aristarchus, and they took them to the theater, and they were going to kill them. I mean, Paul and his friends, uh, Paul wanted to go in there and try to get them out, but his friends kept them from coming, uh, even some uh, some acquaintances said, don't go in there. And so Paul didn't. It was, it was a life-threatening situation. And, and the gospel became, as in all the other places that it was preached, became an oppressed truth starting that night. Enter Gene, the town clerk. Remember him? 
And this guy, if you read the story, he just comes in and he starts talking sense to this mob. And, and it just ends almost anticlimactically. These, this huge mob that had been set on killing uh, their Christian hostages just kind of walks home. And this is the uproar uh, that's referred to here. Uh, the uproar ceases there in Ephesus, and Paul sends for the disciples, and he encourages them. You think they might need a little bit at that point? You know, they just kind of <laughs> gone through a very uh, 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 heartbeat-raising event. Uh, two of their friends had almost died. The, the, the cause for Christ was under persecution there. They would probably need a little encouraging. And so he encouraged them, and then he said farewell, and he departed for Macedonia. He was going to head uh, towards Jerusalem for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, a part of his Jewish uh, uh, you know, her- heredity or whatever, uh, and so he, he starts heading back towards Jerusalem through Macedonia. He had gone through the regions and had given them much encouragement. Again, one of Paul's chief ministries was to hey, you know, say to his Christian brothers and sisters, keep going, keep going. I feel like that's one of my jobs. You, I don't know if you come here on Sundays for that, but th- that's what my hope is, is that when I get with you on Sundays, uh, you get the whole keep going for me, and, and you understand that your faith uh, is worth being the first thing in your life, and that you, uh, even as you face the trials of life, uh, you keep going, keep moving forward. Uh, he encourages people as he goes, and then finally he comes to Greece, verse 3. There he spent three months. If you read the Bible, don't think of that it's like minute-to-minute, day-by-day sequencing. A lot of times, uh, huge spans of time pass. Uh, here, Paul spends three months in Greece, and when a plot was made against him, he's, he's, he's taking his time getting down to Jerusalem. He's heading back to Jerusalem for this feast, but uh, on the ship that he was supposed to sail on, a plot was made against him by the, the Jews that he was about to sail uh, with for, for Syria, and he decided maybe that's not a great idea. He, he caught news of the fact that uh, Jews, and Jews didn't like Paul. Remember, Paul used to be this guy named Saul, and he was, he was like the champion of the Jewish cause. He was out persecuting the Christian faith, and then uh, this big light shone on him on a road to Damascus, and he, he switched teams. He became a Christian, and he became the champion of the Christian faith. And so the Jews, who used to be his buds, now are his enemies, and they were always looking for ways that they could off this guy who was causing so much problem for the Jewish faith. Uh, they were apparently uh, on that ship, and Paul said, you know what? I'm going to walk. <laughs> so uh, that's what he did. Uh, and th- here, here's the part that just seems Monday. Uh, Luke, who was a doctor, very detail-oriented, read his uh, writings in the book of Luke and here in Acts, he, he just puts details in that other uh, biblical writers might not. He says that Sopater, or Sopater, or Soap for short, whatever you want to call him, uh, the Berean, he was a son of Pyrrhus, uh, he, he was there with him, he accompanied him, so that's one. Uh, he says, uh, uh, the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, uh, they were with him too, that's three, and Gaius of Derby, that's four, and Timothy, uh, we know him. He got a couple letters, right? And he became the pastor at Ephesus. I think, what are we up to, five? Uh, and then the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. Uh, that's the roster. Luke, uh, obviously, is with them, too, because here's what he says. They went on ahead, and they were waiting for us. Uh, Luke turns his pronouns from being impersonal to personal. Luke is there now with Paul, and he's talking about his experiences with Paul personally. Uh, so these uh, seven guys, counting Paul and Luke, there's nine. They're the ones that are traveling together uh, through all these encouragement ministries and heading on their way to Jerusalem. Uh, we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, uh, and, and they didn't make it to the feast. And in five days, we came to them at Troas, uh, where we stayed for seven days. Again, 
It's just the itinerary. It's like you coming home from work and your spouse asks you, hey, how was your day? And they're like, well, at 9 o'clock I did this, and at 11 I did this, I had lunch with so-and-so, and then, you know, I slept at my desk until it was time to go home, and then I came here. That's it. That's all I did. Probably leave the sleeping part out, but... Uh, yeah, it's just kind of a detailed thing. But, but here's, here's what you would miss if you just skipped over this and got to the good part about the kid who fell out of the window. You'd miss the diversity of this group of men that he's brought together. If you kind of, you know, draw a square around Paul's ministries, these guys were at the four corners of the square, from the north and from the east and from the, I don't know which way, anyway, but, but east, west, and south. They, they were from all these different regions, and we can just assume, we know some of their stories, Timothy's and others, but we can just assume that through Paul's ministry, he's just picked up these disciples, these, these followers, and, and they just dropped everything. I mean, don't, don't forget this. These people had lives, and then they met Jesus, and they just kind of did something completely different. They started walking around or sailing around the Mediterranean with Paul, you know, telling people about Jesus. What a diverse group. I mean, we're a diverse group, right? Well, what an amazing thing that God in every church that he assembles brings uh, very unique people to it. You know, some of us grow up in church. We've never known anything else except Christ. and uh, You know, that's, that's great. And some of us, we're brand new to him. We're, we're sitting in the same rows with, with those who've always... Uh, called on his name. Some of us, uh, we've gone through just amazing difficulties in life. And some of us, uh, we, we've had, you know, for, for, for you know, lack of different words, just a free skate. God's grace has, has been abundant in our lives. We're old, we're young. Uh, we're of different uh, nationalities and creeds, and we come from all kinds of places. But here we are, the melting pot of the body of Christ. We're the all y'all. Everybody assembled for a purpose. Everybody a part of the group. So this, this, this little group, this little uh, roster tells us that Paul was an all-y'all guy. Everybody come. Doesn't matter where you're from, what your history is, let's do this. Now, it was also a strategic group. We know that Paul was uh, an equipper. It says in Ephesians that he tells uh, uh, his friends there in Ephesus uh, that the, the pastors and teachers have been given to equip the saints. And Paul lived that. He was always passing down and mentoring uh, in his, his, his ministry life. He, he took these guys in, in the hopes that they would be able to learn from him the things that were required for the, for the mission to move forward. And, and we know, especially in Timothy's case, that that's exactly what happened. He became a, a great leader in the early church. He was always uh, looking to recreate servants by bringing them along to serve with them. And let's just be honest, uh, he was interested in sharing the load. Many hands makes for light work, is that the saying? I still don't know if I'm getting that right, but it's something like that. If you've got lots of people helping out, uh, things are lighter. I went uh, kayaking with my beautiful bride yesterday morning. Uh, that, what was Elifiah? Sure. And uh, we went in at the boat ramp on Kings uh, Avenue. Uh, don't go there. It's very uh, unpopulated right now. We like it that way. Can you just leave it for us? Anyway, um, we put the double kayak, you know, in the back of the truck and drove over there. And I'm getting there just as uh, I'm turning into the boat ramp, uh, another truck comes in behind us. And, I, and fellas, you know what I'm talking about when you, like, I'm, here's what I was doing. I was trying to park our, my truck entirely in the little bit of shade that was there at the boat ramp because it's Florida in July, people. That's prime territory, right? So I'm, I'm like, I'm not parked, 
you know, uh, I'm parked this way instead of this way, which is probably how it's supposed to be parked. And I was just going to leave it there and get on the river and come back and be like, oh, my bad, I didn't realize. Uh, your pastor's that way. But anyway, um, <laughs> but I'm parked there, I'm parking there, and then this other truck comes in. And the guy, uh, as I'm behind my wheel and kind of finishing my parking job, he's just looking at me. And I don't know if he's like a local or if he's like, this is his boat ramp, and I'm just, you know, because we don't go here all the time. But he's just looking at me, and I'm like, oh, man. And so Eleanor's like, Mark, you're probably parked wrong. You know, make sure you park right. So I pull up, and now my truck's entirely in the sun, and I'm pulled in the direction I'm supposed to be pulled in. But, I'm, you know, this guy's just kind of looking at me, and, and because we're Americans, we always assume that when people are looking at us in traffic, they mean us harm. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And so I'm just thinking, uh, you know, this, this guy's a jerk. He's probably thinking, you know, it's his spot and blah, blah, blah. So, so I pull into my spot, and then all of a sudden this guy's behind my truck. And uh, I'm like, hey, man, sorry. I, you know, hope I didn't mess up your parking job there. And he says, no, can I help you with your kayak? <laughs> Jerk, right? Uh, yeah, man, that'd be great. Because, you know, uh, I got it in there, but it was, now it was way far away from the boat ramp. It was nice to have, actually he sent his young, muscular, college-age son to, to help me, but it was nice to have uh, someone other than Eleanor having to yank that kayak out of the back of our truck. Uh, all that to say, um, <laughs> we're, we're supposed to be on the rope. We're, we're supposed to be together in this load because it's a heavy load. To, to be honest with you, the, the, the mission is, is, uh, is, is great. It's vast. It's, there's so many who need to know Jesus. There's, there's so many within the body of Christ who need to be uh, encouraged and served. And, and if it's just a few people, you know, the statistics say whether, you know, you, you hear them, whatever. It's like 10% of the people at the church do 90% of the work. Maybe it's 20% doing 80% of the work, but, but, but it's, it's way off from what it should be. More people should be serving. And Paul was very careful to make sure that as many people as possible could be involved with him at all times. I mean, just read the book. Acts just shows him again and again, taking folks with him to lighten the load. I guess the point I'm trying to make is that the mission of God is accomplished through those who serve him. And that, that fascinates me because you got to know that God could accomplish his mission without us. Everybody understands that, right? It probably would go a lot better. Can we all confess? Like he could, you know, he, he could just, in fact, listen, wouldn't it be better if God himself preached at this church? I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I hope you enjoy listening to me, but I am all for God just coming through the sound system and saying the things that he wants to say to us. But he doesn't choose to do it that way. You know what he chooses to do? He chooses to talk through a yo-yo like me and to tell you what he's wanting of us and for us as a church uh, through this voice box. And then, and then he goes to every one of us who knows Jesus Christ in this room, and he says, I want to use you in this way, where he could do it way better just on his own, but he, he has determined that his mission will move forward through his people. And that some of us just haven't gotten on the rope yet. Uh, so many of us have. And I, listen, I'm, this isn't a guilt thing, but I, I, just, I do want to celebrate those who are serving here at our church. Hopefully you got a sticker when you came in, but if you didn't uh, and you volunteered at our church on a regular basis, would you just stand up briefly so I, as your pastor, can thank you for serving you, uh, here at our church. And everybody, just thank these folks who serve so faithfully here at our church. You guys can sit down. Now, not everybody got to stand up that time. There's a lot of people who aren't wearing stickers yet here in our church and who aren't serving yet here in our church. And I'll, I'll just be candid with you. That's what this service is about. We got 
ministry opportunities awaiting you outside in our foyer after we're done our service. We got this little page that I'm going to explain at the end of our sermon about how you can volunteer here and serve here at your church because my hope as your pastor is that everybody who follows Christ that's a part of this church is on the rope somewhere. Because together, when we all do what God has designed us to do, it makes for lighter work, and the work gets done more effectively and efficiently. Paul wrote about this, this concept of everybody being a part of the team, a part of the process in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he writes these things. Uh, after he had just gotten done explaining uh, spiritual gifts and explaining to his friends in Corinth that everybody has been gifted a unique way to, to serve God within the body of Christ, he's, he's like, well, maybe I should slow down. And so he, he gives them a metaphor. He talks about their bodies And uh, he says these things. He says, for just as the body, our physical selves, is one and has many members. We've got hands and feet and uh, guts, some of us. And uh, uh, we've got eyes and ears and and all these parts of us. You can go through the anatomy. Uh, But he says, listen, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. He says, so it is with Christ. So it is with those of us who are in Christ. For in one spirit, he says in verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when I was uh, speaking to you about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in us. Because the Holy Spirit's in us, he's kind of like the glue. He's the galvanizing effect of the church. He's what we all have in common. His presence comes into us when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and he's kind of like this magnet uh, that draws us together. And he's also the one who empowers us to serve God with the gifts that he gives us. It goes on and it says in verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but many. The body is made up of many parts. All of us play a part in the mission of God. Peter said as much in his first letter where he says this to his friends that he's writing to, as each has received a gift from the Spirit, Uh, Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. You know, this is a a common misconception in the American church. You get outside of the American church, and people don't have as hard a time with this. And I'm not saying it's everybody in here, but there might be some of us in here who have this Americanized Christianity that says, I'm at my church for what I can receive. Because the American culture is all about me. It's all about me getting mine. It's all about me getting ahead regardless of who I have to step on to get there. It's about amassing you know, uh, wealth, and, and it's the pursuit of uh, life, liberty, and happiness. That, that's the American way. And so we can take that mentality, uh, which uh, isn't necessarily biblical, and we can bring it to the church, and we can say of the church, hey, you're here to serve me. Dance, monkey boy. Make me happy. Preach the, sorry, was that too much? <laughs> Preach the, I'm not a monkey boy, but that's, at its extreme, that's, that's, that's probably what this me-centered uh, Christianity does. It, it says, hey, if you don't do what I like the way I like, then I'm gone. I'll go find a place that does. And the churches of our community com- become shops at the mall. And if you can't find what you want at one, you go to another one. But, but listen. I'm not saying that you can't be in a place where you're comfortable and you feel like it's family. Uh, it, please, if, this, if you're kind of visiting us, I hope this is the place. There's other great churches in our community. If this isn't your place, go find your spot there. But wherever you land, 
Understand that your purpose in that church is not to serve you. It's to serve our Savior and to serve his people. Some of us, though, we sit here today and we, we understand that, but we just don't feel like we have anything to give. Some of us on the mission, uh, we do not serve because we feel like we don't have anything to give. Paul addresses that in this letter to the Corinthians. He says, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. He goes on and he says, if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less of a part of the body. He's in essence saying, listen, there's no favorite parts in the body of Christ. There's no special pieces uh, on the rope. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a unique contribution to make to the body of Christ. And so you might sit here and think, well, because I can't sing on the stage with the worship team, then I, you know, I can't really serve. Or because I can't preach the messages, and I would do a way better job than the, than the monkey. Uh, you know, I, I, I obviously can't serve. Or, or I, listen, I'm new in the faith, and I don't really know what I'm even supposed to think or say or do, and so I obviously can't serve. And, there's, and we just talk ourselves into thinking that because I'm not this, I, I can't be on the rope at all. But Paul says, no. Don't worry about who God's made you to be. Just worry about serving God in what he's made you to be. Honor him with what he's given you. Because he's given you a lot. Everybody understands. We all agree that in Genesis it teaches us that God created us. Every man and woman has been created by God and for God. Does everybody agree with me on that? We're not some cosmic result of atoms smashing in together and, and, you know, I came from a fish and a monkey and all that stuff. I believe that God created us, okay? Uh, Because God created us the first time and then sin came into a world, he had to recreate us a second time, spiritually speaking. It tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are a new creation, all right? That, that there's a new life. The old has passed away, and behold, all things are new. Well, that's that recreative work of our Savior. And in Ephesians chapter 2, in one of the chapters I love the most to preach in the Scriptures, it's this chapter that just clearly explains, explains salvation. It says that we are saved by grace through faith and not by our works. It is so clear in there that it's not some religious, you know, hard uh, you know, effort of yours that, that makes you saved. It's, it's you accepting what Jesus has given. And it's this beautiful dissertation on, on salvation. But then right after Paul gets done speaking on salvation, he says this in the very next verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we, those who are saved, we are his workmanship. It's a Greek word that means masterpiece. We are these recreations, spiritually speaking, of our Savior God. We are created in Christ Jesus through his blood being shed, through his work on the cross. Our recreation takes place because of Christ and our faith in him, which God prepared beforehand. Oh, I skipped the the most important part. We are created in Christ Jesus. Everybody say it with me. For good works. For the mission. You were saved to play a part in the mission. To do things that he has prepared for us beforehand that you should walk in them. Some of you are going to volunteer for the first time in a church today. I'm so excited for you because you found faith in Jesus Christ and now you're going to actually step into the things potentially that God has called you to do and has designed for you ahead of time for you to experience as you participate in moving his mission forward. 
How great is that? I mean, this is our design, people. This is what we are recreated to do, is to serve him until he comes to get us or we go to him. So it doesn't matter how long you've been serving him. It doesn't matter how little you've been serving him. This is the call of the church, service. I, uh, I make really good chocolate chip cookies. I said last night that they're the best, but I, I backed off of that for this morning. Maybe there's better cookies out there. I just haven't eaten them yet. <laughs> it's the only thing I bake. It's the only thing I'm really good at uh, in the kitchen. And so I bake them from time to time. And uh, my kids, all of them, love them. Their friends love them. They don't stay around long. It's that item in our, in our kitchen. Everybody know what I'm talking about? How cruel would it be for me to make a, a sweet batch of these cookies and have all my kids maybe home from college and then their jobs and all this stuff, and, and they're all hanging out, and it's a big family weekend, and I make the cookies. I set them on the table like I always do in the big pyramid stack, and then as they're reaching to grab handfuls of these culinary confection masterpieces, they, they, they reach in, and I say, I got it! No cookies. And they asked me why, and I said, because I said so. And so they wait me out. They go to bed. The cookies still sit there on the table. And they wait till they think I'm asleep, but I'm really standing in the corner by the fridge. <laughs> and they sneak out to the kitchen to grab some of the cookies. And I flick the lights on, and I say, ah, ah, ah. no cookies. How cruel would that be? How stupid would that be? I made the cookies for them, but I'm not letting them enjoy them. You're a plate of cookies, Christian. And God made you for the body of Christ. And if you sit there week after week and you just soak in and take in and receive and, and you never pour back out in the body of Christ, you're outside God's design for you. You're his workmanship created for good works that he's prepared, prepared before you ahead of time. You're supposed to be serving. It's, it's how you were made. And, and we got to stop holding back the cookies around here. All on the mission play a crucial part. Everybody who's a part of the mission plays a crucial part. It says in... Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If, if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Everybody's got to do their part. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one, uh, as he chose. He, he imparted the gifts through his spirit, and, and he said everybody's going to do what they can do. And together, us doing what we can do, we're going to do a great job at the mission. He says, if all were a single member, where would the body be? I know he means that if we all did the same certain thing, that the body would be, uh, you know, limited in its efficiency. But, but I, I also think, you know, maybe he's talking about if, if there's just one of us doing the work, if there's just a few of us doing the work, where's the mission going to end up? If, we're, if there's just a, a few involved, it just can't be what it's supposed to be. So some of us may feel like we just don't have anything to give. I want to assure you today 
That if you have Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, he's gifted you to do certain things. If you don't know what those are, there's a great class here at our church called Connect Serve and, and in Connect to Serve. I'm talking too fast. Uh, you can find out what those spiritual gifts are and start employing them in our, in our body. But I would, I would submit this to you too, that there's going to be some things in our body uh, and, and, and ministry needs in our body that regardless of what your spiritual giftedness is, you can come and make a difference doing those things. I don't know that my spiritual gift is to listen to verses being said by third graders at Awana, but I do it because someone's got to, and too few people in this uh, church uh, have raised up to be able to do that, so I'm happy to go and do my part. Everybody's got a part to play, and if you felt like you haven't in the past, I'm here to assure you you do. But there's other reasons that we don't do service. Uh, and I want to kind of go through them. I, I read a, an article online by a guy named Stephen Krager. Uh, he wrote the 29 reasons why people don't serve at church. I'm not doing all of them. Everybody breathes, okay? But I've summarized them here uh, so that uh, we can kind of walk through them as we finish up this morning. Uh, the, one of the first reasons, I'll, I'll kind of give you this one. I go to and serve at another church. Like if you're visiting here this morning, I know I'm laying it on pretty thick. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to switch churches and start serving here. Uh, go, go back to wherever you're from and serve where you're at there. Uh, but serve with a full heart, knowing that that's what God designed you to do, okay? So you people are off the hook, okay? <laughs> How about this one? I'm not a Christian yet. Okay, valid. And, and you might be sitting there in your seat being like, hey, slow down, cowboy. I don't even know if I believe this stuff. You want me serving at the church? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, certainly I want you to believe in Jesus Christ. I want you to have faith. It's, it's the most important part of my life and so many people in this room's life. Uh, it's the difference maker in my existence. I want you to experience that and have what God designed you to have, which is a relationship with him through Christ. Uh, but while you're waiting to do that, let me encourage you. There's certain ways that you could serve around here, and there might be great things in those service opportunities for you, people that you could meet who could share Christ with you in a, in a, in a more... Uh, uh, detailed and deeper way, uh, uh, relationships, uh, the people that you can watch close up, all you servants, and just see how the Christ life is supposed to work. There's, there's opportunities for people who aren't even Christians yet here at our church. Not all of them, but a lot of them, and we'd love to have you serving here so that you could continue kicking the tires on this Jesus that we love. How about this one? I came from another church and I'm resting. I hear this a lot because, you know, not every person who comes to our church comes to Christ for the first time. A lot of people have come here because they moved here from somewhere else, and they were a part of a church plant, and they had to set that thing up every Sunday morning, and we were just looking for a big church where we could hide. <laughs> oh, good on you. Uh, nice play. You found one. Uh, but listen, here's the deal, and I don't want to seem cruel and, and, and unmerciful uh, or gracious. Uh, certainly there will be seasons in your life where you've got to recharge. Yeah? Everybody with me on that? Uh, we should serve because we get to, not because we have to. It should come from our heart. But, but here's, here, just so you know, <laughs> I know that there's things that I was designed to do that I don't necessarily feel 100% like doing, but they're the best things for me, uh, like eating right, exercising, uh, other things like that. Uh, and I can make the excuses over and over again not to do those things, but they, they will always be right for me. Are you with me? And so here's my challenge to people who are kind of on a break, whether it's because you've come from another church or because you served faithfully and relentlessly here in this body for a long time. Here's kind of on a break. Take your break. 
but then get back on the rope. Your design is to follow Jesus Christ in service. And you can breathe, but then you need to get back in what God created you to do, recreated you to do in Christ Jesus. Serve him, whether you're coming from another place or you're here. How about this one? I'm going through a hard time in life right now. I'm going through a hard time in life right now, Mark. And it's just, there's so many things going on. Things aren't great at home. Things aren't great at work. There's lots of stuff in my screen, lots of windows open, and I just don't know how to focus on serving right now. It just doesn't seem like I can. Again, don't want to be ungracious or unmerciful uh, and understand if people need to take a breather. But let me just throw this out to you. In my personal life, uh, the most significant relationships that I have who help me through my hard times in life are the people that I've served with. I mean, we talk around here about how uh, uh, Christianity is a a team sport. Usually when I say that, I'm talking about getting in life groups. And one more time, please, if you're not in one, find a life group and get in it. Because the body of Christ is meant to be a body. It's lots of members. Everybody plays its role. And so so it's great to live in community. But (laughs) I think there's so much community found in service opportunities, like my, like my, uh, my youth groups that I used to uh, pastor, those people who served with those students, with Eleanor and I, are the best friends that we've ever had. And who, they've walked with us through uh, lost pregnancies and through uh, difficulties that uh, everybody in here at one time or another faces. Uh, I went to my family. I loved my mom and my dad when he was here, and, and, and I, I, I leaned into the people that I'm supposed to lean into, but my friends were my fellow servants. Eleanor uh, serves in our cafe and uh, on Sunday mornings and, and serves in lots of other areas. But her favorite place to serve, I think, if I'm not wrong, is the garden. She loves to uh, go out there and, and uh, weed and plant and, uh, and, and reap uh, all the stuff that gets done out there in the garden. If you didn't know, we have a garden that's given thousands of pounds, uh, tens of thousands of pounds, I think, so far, uh, since it's a, been in existence to, to local food pantries, fresh produce and stuff. And the people back there uh, just love doing that stuff. They love serving and, and love uh, being you know, out in the dirt. But they do it like you know, uh, on a Saturday after they've all been to work all week and they come in here for four or five hours on a Saturday morning and just sweat their brains out, you know, doing hard uh, labor uh, and love it. And here's why. Because while they're weeding and planting and, and reaping, they're talking and they're pouring into each other, and they're listening to each other's hearts, and they're the phone calls that each other makes when times get hard. And how is that created? Well, it's created in the context of serving together. So if you've been waiting, and this is another thing, if you've been waiting for everything to calm down in your life so you can serve, stop waiting. Life doesn't work that way. Things aren't going to calm down enough to where it's going to be perfect for you to serve. It's just going to need to be put in there in life. Uh, and, and hopefully God will meet you in those things as uh, servants gather around you in the hard things of life. Uh, here's one uh, I don't hear all the time, but I've heard sometimes. I've never been asked to serve. Let me just cover this right now. Hey, Bay Life Church. <laughs> I'm your pastor, Mark, and I'm asking you to serve. Let's move on. All right. Um, I don't know where I might be of use. I don't know what needs to be done. Everybody grab this handout. <laughs> Everybody grab this handout. That's you moving and grabbing this handout. Here we go. Show it to me. Let me see if you got one. 
All right, on the back side of this, these are opportunities that are coming up for us in this next semester. The school semester starts in August. These are opportunities where you can serve this church in a very tangible way. I'm going to encourage you as I'm finishing up my sermon to start filling this sucker out because we're going to take them before we leave today in, a, in another offering this morning. And, uh, and hopefully we're going to have opportunities to call you this week, uh, these ministry teams, and get you started in serving him. If you're trying to figure out places that you could serve, read the list. We would love to have you serving in some of these ways. How about this one? I serve in other places. Some of us are, you know, out in the community and serving with other organizations, and that's great. And so that's kind of, you count that as your service. But can, can I just, okay, anybody here from a family? Anybody do things outside? Of, anybody, anybody else here from the family? It's like four of us. Okay, good. Um, you do stuff outside of your home and your families, and you go do it. But, but do you come home to your family and do stuff at, at your house? Anybody done the distance recently? Anybody, you know, cut the grass? Uh, anybody done anything in your house? Cleaned anything? Done anything? Okay, good. You're, you're, you're not animals. It's awesome. Um, here's what I love to tell people. Yeah, go, go serve God in other ways and other places, but find how God wants you to serve in your home. This is your family. This is your, this is your part of the body of Christ. Figure out how he might want you to serve. And, and I, I'll throw this out. I don't want to overtax you, but I think service is so important that you should probably think about if there's other ways you could serve on the top of the way that you're serving now. Everybody wearing a sticker? Don't just sit there and be like, yeah, Mark, get them. <laughs> Understand that there's, there's, there might be other ways that God wants you to serve. I, I talk about it sometimes, but I went and started serving at Awana mostly to be an example to everybody around here, you know, of service. And, and I figured I'd do my couple weeks and, and we'd be done and... Uh, but then the need continued to be a, a, a parent at Awana, and I ended up doing uh, most of the last half of, of this past run-through with Awana. And a funny thing happened on my way to Awana. God started working in my heart. And it went from being this thing that I did so that I could be an example to being this thing that I did because I kind of like that kid. And I enjoy the other leaders that I'm serving with. I like standing out there with Mike and Tina Hill as they do games for these kids who just run around, you know, uh, at the end of a school day in a frenzy. I like laughing at the end of a time uh, with those that I serve with. It's, it's good for me as a pastor to be in that kind of environment so that I can just be a body person myself. Are you with me? And so there may be other things that God's calling you to do. Don't limit the Holy Spirit in your service. Here, here's, I'll finish with these two big ones and then we'll be done. I'm too busy to serve. This is the classic. And some of you have been thinking this the whole time I've been preaching. This is your ace. This is your trump card. Totally agree with you, Pastor. Everybody should serve. And as soon as my schedule clears up, I'm there. But right now, I'm just too busy to serve. Everybody lean in. Come on. If you're too busy to serve Jesus and his church, you're too busy. Everybody hear that? If you're too busy to serve Jesus and his church, you're too busy. We just got done singing songs about how we wanted Jesus to be first, how he'd be the first name that we'd call. But some of us don't live like he is third or fifth or sixth or ninth because we've got all these other things, little league and soccer and, and this club and that club and this thing and those things and my job's 90 hours a week and blah, 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 blah. Now, listen, I... I, I there is somewhere in this church where you can serve with some of the time that you have. And it's just a matter of saying, this is what matters. 
This is what matters most. So I'll serve first. I'll put Jesus first. And then the other things I'll try to squeeze in. It's kind of presumptuous to think that you're too busy, but everybody else who's serving here isn't. Andy Stanley said this once. He said, too busy to serve at your local church? FYI, every Sunday you attend your local church, you are served by very busy people. The only difference being, they figured out some ways to carve time out for the things that in a Christian's life should matter most. This last one, um, I don't know if you'd say it this way, but this might be the heart of some of us. I just don't want to do it. Uh, I give so I don't have to serve. I, uh, I, I'm at the spot in life where I just don't feel like that's something that is necessary for me. I'm, I'm certainly happy to come in here and take, but, but I just don't want to serve. Okay, one last time. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been made new. You've been made over into the likeness of Christ. We are all in the sanctification process, trying to become less like we were and more like him. And if you refuse to serve on any grounds that you want to give, but you say, I'm just not doing it, you've got to understand, you are outside of the character of Christ. Because Jesus said to his disciples in Mark chapter 10, he says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We need to get on the rope, people. We need to share the cookies. So if that's you here this morning, uh, I hope you've taken some time, even as I've been talking, to fill this out. But if you haven't, as I'm filibustering right now, as the ushers are getting ready to take this thing, please sign your name to this. Pick a box. Here's what's going to happen after you're done. We're going to take an offering here just in a short moment before I pray. Uh, you're going to put your sheets in there. You will be called within the next two weeks about this indication that you want to serve. When they call you, everybody look at me. Don't dodge the church's number. Because <laughs> this is what happens at other times with these things. Oh, you know, I'll sign up, but then I'll just keep. <laughs> Pick up the phone. Find out where you're going to serve and then go there and start living within the design that God has for you. If you're, if you're signing up today and you know that this is the area that you're going to serve in, men's, women's, children's, students, whatever, uh, in, in our welcome teams, there's, there's people out at tables right now who would love to greet you in the name of the Lord and thank you for being a part of their teams. You know what they're going to do? If you signed up today and you tell them so, they're going to give you one of those stickers. Oh, when I was in grade school, it was so great to get the sticker. <laughs> I am a volunteer. And you walk out of here knowing that you are a part of what God has always designed you to be a part of. You're a servant living within your purpose and our mission. Now, you can ask uh, questions of people out there. Uh, if you have any questions about specific ministry roles, they're there to help you. We've got some carbs back there for you to enjoy while you do this. Uh, but I'm going to pray. Uh, you're going to fill those things out. And if you, or if you are filling those out, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna have the officers start coming down. They're just going to start passing the plates. You can put your notes in that plate. Please do. And uh, as soon as your plate has been passed in your row, uh, after I'm done praying, you can go. But don't go until the plate has passed you. Does everybody understand? 
They're going to pass the plates as I pray. Hurry up, fellas. You've got to pass those quick. Everybody ready? Will you pray with me? God, I stand on this stage uh, aware, again, of your greatness and your mercy to us, your grace to us in Christ. Uh, thankful, uh, again, that uh, you would uh, use us and seek to uh, um, uh, employ us in your mission. I mean, uh, you, you could do so much better on your own, but your choice is to, is to work through us. Uh, Lord, we know that your mission is going to be best accomplished when there's more people on the rope, when, when more of us are, are, are generous with the cookies, as it were. Uh, so God, would you take all of us, your workmanship, who know and love you, and would you set us um, uh, into these roles that you've prepared for us ahead of time so that we might serve you at this church, so that we might honor you uh, and glorify you uh, with the things that you've gifted us uh, with by the Spirit and uh, that you might get everything from us that you deserve. Uh, thanks, God, for those who are already serving, for those who have served before. Thanks for the fact that uh, this church has always um, you know, risen to challenges when I've issued them uh, from your word, and I trust that that's going to happen again today, uh, that we will meet you in this, uh, this purpose that you've given us and we become all that you want us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to just say one last thing. If you could just stop for a second. I want to talk to everybody who's on the internet. Hi, guys. Uh, one of my greatest fears for us streaming services is that we would lose our sense of body because you and, and others like you are, are just kind of, you know, taking uh, an easier route uh, to being a part of our church. It's not wrong to watch streaming services. Some of you are already thinking, oh, no, what have I done? Uh, but if it keeps you from being a part of God's uh, mission here at our church and serving other saints and serving uh, in the body of Christ, then uh, you need to show up here more often. So I just want to be able to say that to you. I love you, and uh, see you next week. All right, guys, God bless you. Have a great week.